Let me tell you today about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, or you can record it on another device or platform and transfer it to Anchor. It will distribute your podcast for you through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast right in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome, players, to the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. You came looking for a funny and informative fantasy baseball show. Look no further, bud, because you found it. D. Mendy here, your host as always, joined by a man we know as the king of desserts, Art Tornabeni, aka Little Cheesecake, the LC. LC, how's this week been treating you? Uh, <laughs> pretty good. I, I really like to, you know, I don't envy the hosting jobs, but when you when you come in and you go, look no further, to me, <laughs> it's like you're doing a little Italian accent, a little homage, a little Italian, look no further. We have a funny, funny baseball. <laughs> I'm not even going to try it because you, you're the king of the accents and the voices from when you tell me when you read the, your kids, the uh, yeah. all the stories they read. I'm not you even, you're, you're the man. <laughs> <laughs> also, of course, joined by the man who makes the house calls, provides the medicine that you need to hear, the doc, Eric Mendelson. What's up? Oh, man. Back to work. Back to corporate America. Forgot how uh, how tiring it is. You couldn't live off that unemployment anymore. I could not, but had to go back to corporate America at some point. And now I'm here. Yep. Well, we have a nice show today. On deck, we have quitters and hitters. We're going to be looking at bats this week, deciding which hitters seem to be legit with the stick and the ones that you should maybe quit while you're ahead. We're going to be doing this with our special guests, Mike Curland of the Bases Loaded Pod, who's waiting in the hole. After we go to our bullpen for our question of the week, what is the strangest batting order choice you've ever seen a manager make? And our mystery game coming in to shut the door. But first up to bat is our news and notes. The postseason schedule has been released. Some highlights are the first World Series will be at a neutral site. A best of three wild card, five division, and seven championship series will all commence with zero off days in between games. One day will commence. Uh, one off day will commence before the start of the next series. More could be depending on when the series is complete. This could be a big deal when deciding four or five man rotations. Wildcard games will be the top seeded home ballparks, and then the rest will be at the neutral site, AL in San Diego and LA, and NL in Arlington and Houston. Guys, in the wildcard round, we're slated to have two days of eight playoff games, which is insane. So, Doc, what aspect are you most excited about? Well, as a fan, it's pretty cool that we're going to see a lot of that. It's kind of like a March Madness of baseball playoffs. But I think for me, it's going to see which teams have the most depth. You know, if if you're winning in the wild card and there's not going to be as many days off, I mean, this has already been a crazy season. As a postseason, I'm just excited for the kind of like the unexpected things. Like we have no idea what's going to happen. 
Yeah, it, it's really true. It's it's exciting, and uh, it, it's just like the sixty game season has been cheesecake. What about you? I'm not sure if I'm going to want to go back to the old playoff model after having all these teams get in and having the excitement. Like if an eight seed manages to come out of the AL this year or whatever, you know, that's really exciting. That's a team that wouldn't have gotten in last year. I think that sort of possibility for this season really ups my interest in watching the first round of the playoffs. Uh, I usually, I usually am not big on the playoffs unless my team is in because I'm depressed because my team isn't in, but I feel like, this year, an eight seed going up, and especially if they start taking a few games from that one seed, it's really going to be exciting to me. So, the LA like Kings did that in hockey like three years ago. They got in the last day as the eight seed, and then they ended up winning the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I won't be shocked if it's an eight seed that goes to the World Series. I think that's what these type of years are built for. Honestly, so you were saying you don't you don't want to see the Marlins. <laughs> I was like, I, I like that. That'd be interesting. Um, Matt Chapman is put on the IL, most likely done for the year. Sonny Gray, done for the year as well. Justin Verlander, looks like he might make one start before the end of the year, uh, at least for the playoffs. Um, just a couple injury notes there. But the last bit of here is our Cubby on the show must have been really happy on Sunday, and not because of football, but for his pitcher Alec Mills throwing a no-hitter. Was it a little bit of something or just a little bit of lucky? Mills has been throwing well lately, and I mean he's been—he had a little a little downturn in the middle of the season, where his performance wasn't that good. But he started the season really well. Um, he's not—I mean, he's not like a, a shutdown pitcher, but when he's going well, he's obviously really hard to hit. I think you know Mills is a good one, and you also forgot the the giant Bears comeback on Sunday. So it was oh, yeah. a, it was a good Chicago sports day, even though uh, even though I'm more of a baseball guy than, than than football. But the Bears had a had a ridiculous comeback against the hapless Lions. So uh, that 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 it was a good Chicago sports day on Sunday. Yes. Anyway, I'm glad that you're a happy Chicagoian because <laughs> I'm a happy person to be reading this plug. You like what you're hearing so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more triple play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy football show you can also check out, available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about making us the 1.01 of podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review? Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TripPlayFantasy. Eric runs our social media and provides daily questions, annoying gifts, very annoying, and of course, our weekly episode drops. Are you looking for the Alec Mills of podcasts? The one that might throw a no-hitter, but you left on your bench. It may be mediocre, but we are capable of throwing that no-hitter type of advice. Don't make that same mistake you did when you left Alec Mills on your bench. Put us in right now and redeem yourself. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. Thank you, the loyal player, for your listens each and every week. And now, Mike Curland. We welcome in a man that's here to put out real-life fires and your fantasy baseball fires. He's the host of the Bases Loaded Pod, co-host of the 3Bs of Baseball, and an FSWA award finalist. He's also a contributor to Roto Roto Baller, and let's face it, I love this man like he loves his lineup takeaways. The fella that might get your cat out of a tree if you ask nicely, 
Mr. Mike Curlin. How's it going, my man? Dude, that was fantastic. I appreciated every minute of that. I rarely talk about what I do for a living, but this is one of the few times where I'm like, let's talk about, I actually have a cat story if you want to get to it. <laughs> oh, that's all on the table. Let's go. Yeah. Well, do you want to, like, should we let everybody like say hi before we get right into the cat story? Oh, no, no, no. no. We, we want to hear the cat story. Exactly. Yeah, everybody knows who we are. I hope it's probably see for me it was funny because I was actually on probation, and here's the thing: it's like I said, it's gonna be funny to me. I hope it's funny for anybody else listening. If not, I apologize. It's a really crappy story then. But <laughs> people call nine one one. They do. They call nine one one for to get cats out of trees. Let's just, let's ask one question though. Seriously, how did the cat get up there? If the cat got up there, it'll get down. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I've heard stories, various stories of uh, firemen, not me, I've never done this, but firemen like take a hose and spray them and they jump down and all that. <laughs> so that's actually a thing. But so I guess them doing the right thing, my my partners at the time, they didn't want me to go up. We have we have one special truck that's actually has a ladder on it, able to get a cat out of the tree. So we got the okay to go get it. We didn't think we'd actually get the approval to go do this because this isn't something we're allowed to do without permission. So we actually had to ask for permission. We had to go up the chain like to a chief to ask for permission to go get a cat out of a tree. Oh, yeah, it went that far. <laughs> and um, we go get the cat out of the tree. And just to keep it short, because it's really non-relevant to tonight, my guy, uh, my the guy on this truck put on like you know his, his bunker coat, his helmet, his gloves, went up there to get the tree. The cat scratched the hell out of him and then jumped out of the tree and ran off. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, that's why we like rescuing cats actually happens, but it's not as pretty or as great as the movie's. Although there has been times where it's like I went into a garage, I was full of smoke after a fire, and we did find some cats there. So that's a true cat rescue. But yeah. the other ones with the cats in the trees, those happen, but the cats always find their way down. Anytime I see a cat in the tree in the future, Mike, I'm going to think of you. I hope yeah. you do. And think about this. Have you ever seen a, a cat's skeleton in a tree before? No. <laughs> I haven't. I thought it was a so if you ever think of a cat getting stuck in a tree, they obviously come down, or maybe hawks or eagles eat them. I don't know, but yeah, do they give you like gloves or something you could put on so if they try to scratch your hands or something that they oh, like? He used his fire. He used like his regular firefighter gloves. Like he tried, he put his gear on. The cat still got him. Like he went to grab the cat. The cat, the cat tore him up somehow and then jumped all the way down. This was like a thirty foot palm tree, maybe. Oh and my god! Cat, listen, the cat hit the floor. You heard a thump, and he took off. So obviously he was fine. Are you serious? I, and I can't even imagine. You guys, welcome to Triple Play Fantasy. I'm Mike Curlin. Thank you for having me. Here's your cat story. We can get going now. I don't know how we can uh, top that for that. That's, that's like quite the start to the show. Doesn't but, get much um, better than that. But I do want to say, though, I, I uh, before we get into everything, I, real quick, I, I was listening to the thank you speech you gave today. And like that was one of the reasons I was really excited to bring you on because you, you're such a humble guy and, and you're not afraid to, to like tell everybody how it's gotten to you to the certain point that you're at. And I was like, that's, that's the type of person that I think everybody can learn from and everybody can uh, try to, to, you know, be like, and then that's, so I, I was like, that's awesome. That came out this day. Cause I was like, we get to talk to you, talk to you the day that you put that out. So that was, it was really cool. And, uh, and it was awesome, man. So we just, I definitely was really excited to bring you on tonight. No, I appreciate it, dude. And honestly, man, I honestly, I just got the idea out of nowhere because I'm sitting here. I'm, I was reflecting. I was just looking at some numbers, and I went up. I was looking at like downloads, and I'm like, "Geez, like my 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 following has really grown. My uh, podcast, you know, it went from like literally the first year. I think it was like I think I even said it on the thing it was like fourteen thousand two hundred downloads from like the whole year. This year, we're we're gonna hit about we're gonna probably hit eighty thousand before the end of the month. Which wow. is which? Uh, yeah, I think it's a huge. I thought my goal was a hundred after I saw how fast it took off, but then COVID happened and the numbers really declined. But regardless. 
my point is, is just that growth. And then I, I went back. I was like, let me look at everybody who, you know, and I was like, wow, I, I didn't realize I had Paul Spore um, and Eno was on recently, which was awesome. And then obviously, um, I guess I, I was fortunate enough. Jeff Erickson asked me on his podcast and it's just like to see, to start from where I started, where I didn't know anybody. I didn't even think to ask anybody anything. And I slowly just kind of did was myself and like started talking. Like it's all I do. I don't shut up. And it's just, it's, it's been something that's been haunting me my whole life. And I finally found what it fits and it's doing <laughs> stuff like this. And I am as goofy and as um kind of, I, I am who I am. I don't really try to be fake on here. I mean, sometimes I, I do, uh, do I do put on a professional hat once in a while, but for the most part, I'm pretty uh, laid back, and I really am a humble guy because it still blows my mind that I've literally like from where I'm at to who I've met and talked to and all that. It's you you don't realize how reg- much of a regular pe- like regular people they all are. I'm sure you're seeing it now as you guys get into this and do all the stuff and meet people and you guys have. I mean, you guys have Manscaped sponsoring, which is amazing, which I didn't even know. Like that, that's all. That's awesome. They have the <laughs> all, they have the funniest. They have the funniest commercials. But yeah, wait to hear Eric's commercial that he put together for the show. Ooh, I'm yeah. excited. Um, but yeah, anyway, I know that uh, you're a big Pete Alonzo guy. He he misspelled the word loathe. I loathe Pete <laughs> Alonzo. But yeah, Eric, Eric and I, he was one of the guys, man, Eric. And I used to work, I used to write work, I guess work technically. I used to write for fan tracks as well. So I'm sure you're familiar with that, David. If not, I used mm-hmm. to be there for a little bit and um, Eric and I met that way. And we, you know, got a chance to hang out at first pitch. And ever since it's like me and him just really get along. Um, I don't know if we're allowed to curse. So I'll be, I'll be mindful of that on there. Um, we, just we let kind it of rain, man. Let it go. Well, I just say we like. I just don't want to. You know, I want to be careful. But we shoot the shit from time to time. That's all I wanted to say. And uh, it, it, the banter is all over Twitter. We have a great time. People seem to really enjoy it in the comments and all that. So Eric's a great dude, but he just needs to understand that Pilonzo sucks. And we'll, we can talk about him later. <laughs> I agree with Eric though, and just because of the name, love love the name Eric. All Eric's are cool. <laughs> I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that's your first name here, oh, dude. A wild guess, man. But you're, you're right. You're <laughs> learning really quick that Eric's like what he uses to back up his arguments is very lame. So you don't take anything he says seriously. Cool, just like Cross. Copy that. <laughs> <laughs> so We're rule the world one day. Without further ado, we'll dive right into this show. <laughs> without and, further ado, seven minutes in. Sorry, this is a loosey goosey show. We we all here to have fun. So. Uh, but we did bring Alex on last week, and we dove into all these pitchers talking for next year. But you're the hitting guy, so kind of my, yeah, it's kind of my favorite thing to talk about. There's not enough to talk about hitters. Like you, you like attach your name to like going in depth on hitters, and I don't see anybody else doing that. At least that I see. Mm-hmm. So this is definitely something that I want to hear your thoughts on. And so I named the segment hitters or quitters, and we're going to be looking at the different categories of hitters from this 2020 season to figure out if they're going to continue swinging the stick, the wood, the lumber, somebody stop me, or should they be a quitter on, should you be a quitter on these hitters and quit while you're ahead? While you'd be looking at totally uh, basically the popular breakout hitters going into the season, how they fared, looking at people that were flat out horrible um, or great in 2019, but were horrible in 2020, if I could speak. And then uh, looking ahead to players that dip their toes in the greatness pool and then you are looking to draft them next year a little higher than their ADP. So I want to jump into the first category here. And the first category we have is the popular breakouts going into 2020. And these were the guys that were extremely hyped up in this offseason. And do you consider optimism for them going forward or was it kind of mirage? So, Mike, I'll start with you. 
I gave a list of five names in the pre-show notes, but you can go any way you want. So who's one guy that you're looking at? Well, I kind of was, I did the right thing and I threw together notes like five minutes before the show because I prepped so well. <laughs> um, it's unfortunate. Like with, I, it's been so busy. I, don't, I, I hate, again, tangent time with Mike. I call it on my podcast because I've been so busy with family and stuff lately. I just haven't, I apologize, but I'm good. I got this. I shouldn't be admitting these things, but I'm very, I'm an open book. Eli Jimenez <laughs> is the guy on your list here. And I, I'm glad you put this list together because some of these guys, I have no, I have roster on no teams. So I had a chance to look at some players for the first time in a while. And Eloy was intriguing. And looking at Eloy, I'm thinking, wow, he's doing really well. Like I did not see that. I didn't realize he was doing as well as he's doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is it just a fluke? You're looking at some stuff. It's like, okay, he's more aggressive. He, but he's also kind of improved his contact skills while being more aggressive, similar to what Devers did. Devers, if you look at last year, Devers kind of had this breakout when his O swing jumped up to 40%, which for those who aren't familiar with this, with the advanced metrics, that's when you chase, that's your, um, how much you swing outside the zone. And Eloy kind of made that same jump this year. It's in that 41% range, which is high, which is above league average. You don't usually like to see that, but with that came improved contact rates across the board. So he's not just swinging more outside the zone. He's also swinging more in the zone. And overall, he's just again that, ag- that aggression's added to his contact rates, which you've seen the strikeout rates, the the swing strike rate, and all that kind of come down. And you're looking at like, okay, maybe it's just a, a small sample, but for him, it goes back to the midseason point of last year. Because if you look at his midseason point last year, I think he I, I had it pulled up or I had it written down, but he hit like two eighty or two ninety in the second half of last year. You you pair that with the fact that he's hitting pretty much what three something. I think it was. I, I told you my notes all over the place. <laughs> My point is because I have Pete, I actually have Pete Alonso's fan graphs page pulled up right here, which I, I don't know why I do, but I do. But and you do love Pete Alonso. Uh, I was actually bring. I was gonna find a reason to bring him up tonight, so I'm glad we will. But um, you <laughs> <laughs> always hitting uh, 302 this year. Okay, so I was on point. He's hitting 302 last year, and like I said, he hit, was hitting like 292, I believe it was in the second half last year. And all these changes in the contact rate and in the metrics started in the second half so this isn't like a small sample just from 2020 this goes back to to the second half of 2019 so now if you look if you actually go back and combine the two samples he's hitting about 300 and everything seems to line up so i think we could be very we i think we very well could be seeing that devers type of that movement that type of like increase in skill set but we also knew that was possible with Eloy's, you know, uh, pedigree the batting average is surprising because i always thought of him as a big power bat power first guy Mm -hmm. So, but, and we'll talk about, I know Devers is in the notes, so we'll talk about him in a little bit, but I think they could both kind of have a similar fall off in batting average and around that 270 to 280 range, which is still fantastic. Yeah. But I just, I have, I have a hard time buying into a guy that's so big, so powerful, not having more holes in his swing down the line. So that's mm-hmm. my only concern, but I like, I pretty much buy into most of the stuff we're seeing when it comes to Eloy. Yeah, you said a lot of things I was going to add. I mean, his batting average is not in any of the pitches, fastballs, breaking balls, or off-speed pitches. It's 272, and all his expected batting averages, or I'm sorry, 261, but all his expected batting averages are actually right around or a little bit higher than his regular batting averages. And his actually his whiff percentage overall this year is lower than it was last year. And his swing percentage is up. So not only is he swinging more, but he's also striking out less. And as everything else with you said that uh, he just he seems like since the second half of last year, he's been dialed in. And I think it was September of last year where he was on that home run tear. Um, he, he just he seems like a really good, steady middle of the order hitter. And if he's not striking out at a, as a high clip, I mean, sky's the limit for this guy, especially in that offense that they're building in Chicago. Um, I, I really like what I'm seeing and his exit velocities in the uh, is, I believe, in the uh, the top five percent of the league right now. So he's crushing the ball. So, 
It's interesting that you bring up Eloy and then reference Devers because they are two of my top five streaky players. So I did a little bit of research. Eloy Jimenez had a three for 33 stretch this year. And three of those hits he got in a game that he went three for four. Then he hit safely in 11 out of 12 games. And I think it was batting like 370 something. Then he followed that up with a two for 26 stretch. So kind of like you said, how he got hot in September last year. He seems like he's really hot or he's really cold. Um, And when he's hot, he's going to win you some games and some matchups. But I just thought that's kind of interesting. If you're okay with one of those volatile players that, you know, when they're cold, it's really cold. Maybe you keep that in mind when you're drafting league specific, like points leagues, you don't want that. Yeah. That can cost you the playoffs or win you the playoffs. But in a roto league, you'll take that all day because now you're compiling it all. And maybe it's a great buy low thing. If he's a slow starter, like Devers has become a slow starter, you have to yeah. know just to buy low because, well, if he runs streaky, he's starting off cold, he's going to get hot type mm-hmm. of thing. So something to keep in mind, but the problem is, is again, this season's like unlike anything else. And like, I'm sure you're all thinking about it, trying to prep for 2021. You start thinking quality of opponents. We've had more call-ups than ever before. We've had mm-hmm. more pitching than ever before. We've had conditions unlike ever before when it comes to travel, when it comes to divisions, when it comes to pitchers they've seen, or they probably won't even see some of these teams won't see these pitchers again next year. It's just yeah. there's so much to take into account. It's, it's kind of frustrating, but fun at the same time. It's kind of what makes this like a, like a, like a game when it comes mm-hmm. to being an, an analyst. And I think I, I forgot who it was a big name analyst called us fanalists. Cause it's true. We are, we're just <laughs> fans that love the game so much that we want to put our opinions out there, put what we find out there for everybody else mm-hmm. to hopefully benefit from or blame us on Twitter. And you can at me all day. Cause I'm, I'll tell you like, yeah, I was wrong. Like <laughs> shit happens. I was wrong. It's going to happen. But at the end of the day though, I'm going to give you my best opinion. That's the problem, man. There's just so it's going to be so hard because these players are, is it, is it, is Eloy really this good or is he has been, is it because he's been facing triple a pitching half the year. When you look at the tigers, they literally have the triple a pitchers up or double. Yeah. Look at the Royals. They have single a and double a pitchers pitching for them. You see my point here is like quality of, of opponent matters, but how do you quantify that on this odd season? So that's why it's like, I don't, I'm trying to look into the, You try to look, you try to dive under the hood a little bit and, and there's a couple guys here. I'll we'll discuss why I buy into them a little more because of other things I see more of a tangible change things. But still, just I don't know. It's so tough. Like I, it's a cop out, but it is this year and next year are really tough for all of us analysts, fans, play, whoever, fantasy players as a whole. Those are good points, and I think it's fair to assess that in a 60 game season, it's like this is hard to take this data and apply it to next year because yeah. anything can happen in 60 games. So um, I want to move to the next guy though, LC. Who are you looking at? I think the next guy I'd like to talk about is Kevin Biggio. Um, Kevin, uh, he came into this season. A lot of the uh, well-documented uh, analysis on Kevin Biggio was that he was not aggressive enough in his swinging. He was he was keyholing on too many pitches, letting the counts go deep and striking out more. It led to a higher walk rate, also led to a high higher strikeout rate as well. And the the hope was that, uh, Kevin Biggio would become a little bit more aggressive in his second season in the league. Uh, well, second big, big, um, big run in the league. And it, it turns out that Kevin Biggio's zone swing percentage is actually down from last season. Uh, his chase rate, we just talked about a 41% chase rate for me, Lloyd. Uh, Kevin's chase rate is 14.1. And uh, that is, I mean, you don't want guys to chase, but you also want guys to go out there looking to hack. 
and swinging in the zone on only 57%, that seems to me pretty pretty low. And you can look at the results that Kevin has produced. It'd be a different thing. There's a lot of guys who have really low swing percentages, like like uh, like traditionally Alex Bregman uh, has a low swing percentage, but he's putting up numbers because he's 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 not missing the pitches. Kevin Biggio is in the uh, um, 27th percentile in ex-WOBA, 11th percentile in ex-BA, uh, 9th percentile in ex-slug. He's just not performing this year. His expected batting average is even lower than his uh, pretty bad 246. Um, and he's not really bringing the pop. He's not bringing the uh, the counting stats. That Well, he, he has 52 runs plus RBIs this year. Uh, I, I think I had hoped that if he was hitting on the top of a really strong Toronto lineup, he'd be producing more of that. Kevin's a guy who I still think has a lot of talent, but I'm really worried that he's never going to develop the, the right type of aggression. He's always going to be a little hesitant, take good walks, but he's not going to be aggressive enough to do as much with the bat as his talent suggests. So next year I'm going to be fading Kevin Biggio a little bit based upon his his current his – current, um, uh, baseball savant, Mr. Freeze likes statistics. Ah, uh, thank you. Yeah, he's a Mr. Freeze, all blue on baseball savant. Um, so he's, you know, based upon that, to me, it just screams that this guy has a lot of tinkering to do or has to make some more strides. And um, with with his profile, with the speed that he provides, with the fact that he's going to be playing in a young up-and-coming lineup, <clears throat> I think he's going to be drafted higher than I'm prepared to take him next year. So I'm going to quit him. I like how you use the reference from the show title. I try to. Um, so one thing I did notice on his page is that he, both last year and this year, has struggled with the breaking ball. Last year he hit 179 versus the breaking ball, and this year he's hitting 156 versus the breaking ball. And he also is suffering from what I like to call the Joe Maurer disease, where they do not swing at the first pitch. His first, switch, his first pitch swing percentage is 17.6%. Last year it was 198 so he's swinging less at the first pitch. And when pitchers start getting wind of that, that he doesn't swing, they're just going to keep throwing these meatballs right across the plate, get a quick strike on him, and then he's already down in the count. And that's a testament. I mean, Mowers obviously was a great hitter, but if with everything that's kind of out there now, if they see that you don't swing on the first pitch and you go down 0-1, that's a big deal. So I think he needs to be a little bit more aggressive at the plate. Yeah, that's, I mean, you touched on it mostly. Some some of the intriguing things, as you mentioned, that he's not. Be, it's weird because he's swinging about the same as last year, but swinging less in the zone, more out of the zone. From at least from Fangraphs, I know if you, it depends on which place you look. I'm looking at both of yeah. them on my screens, but uh, I'm looking at Fangraphs, and it's just weird. It's like he's making more contact, but in the wrong places. So there seems to be maybe a recognition, a recognition issue. Maybe he's having a hard time recognizing balls in the zone and out, which is weird. Cause we all, we all kind of pegged him to be a good, you know, pl- uh, hand-eye coordination, bat to ball type of guy. Mm-hmm. So it could just be a simple thing as it's a weird season for him. If that con, if that switch, if he was hitting more balls in the zone, that would, and it makes sense that he's having some issues as far as like his weak, his weak percentage is up. So he's making weaker contact. So that makes sense. If you're hitting more balls out of the zone, it's going to be weaker. Mm-hmm. And other stuff like that, just that's all I can see is like obviously he's overperforming against uh, off speed right now by almost actually over 100 points in, in BA versus XBA. It was just looking at little things like that. He's just, he's, and the quality of contact for him, someone who's not a natural power, power hitter could make up for that if they were making solid quality of contact. But when you see the barrel rate dip, you see the mm-hmm. sweet spot percentage really dip and, and the ground balls go up. 
that's not recipe for success with a guy who kind of depends on maybe being a little pull heavy and getting the ball in the air more. Somebody who might need to generate more power. And that power, like I said, that power could be made up by quality of contact. But when the quality isn't there, the, the quantity won't come with it either. So it's like, I'm, it depends on where his ADP, I don't know where his ADP is going to be. Like, I'm okay. You have to be able to absorb that batting average because I don't, I think he's going to be like a 220, 230 hitter in the future. And 246 seems to be his sweet spot last year. XBA of 242 though, eh, 217, whatever. I'm kind of rambling at this point. I can see him being a 230, 240 hitter, which is yeah. fine. If you build for that, it's all about roster construction. OBP leagues, he obviously gains value because he's always an on base mo- uh, machine. But yeah, you just got to, you kind of have to just wait and see. I think there's still more there, but it really depends on ADP. Speed's going to get pushed up again next year, probably. Mm-hmm. And he's one of those guys that people are going to see, oh, five steals, six home runs. Let's get him in the top 50. Like, no, I'm with you. If it's like if it's like top 50, top even top 70, I'm probably going to be out or quit him. So, yeah, De- depends on his okay. price. I'm, I'm, Thanks I'm for trying using to quit. I like it. You guys are really good with using the show title. Okay. So, trying to. Uh, Docky, hop in here. What's your pick? All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be positive and I'm gonna talk about a hitter I like, and that's Alex Verdugo. And you know, we when we talked about our late round picks earlier this year, I know that he was mentioned. I had a little bit of concerns between uh, about his back before the season started. I mean, that's something that's been lingering with him. But he's played in 46 games this year. He's hitting 320 with six homers, 14 RBIs, 32 runs, four stolen bases, which is what he had all of last year and playing over two times the game. So I like that he's running a little bit more. I mean, keep in mind, he is the main piece of the Mookie Betts trade, and all yeah. Boston fans are salty that they traded Mookie Betts. I don't care what they say. That that hurts that he's gone in. So besides Jeter Downs, he's the big piece they got. I like that he's hitting early in the lineup. He has Devers, Bogarts, J.D. Martinez behind him. When I look at this, I think this is kind of what we all thought Andrew Benatendi was going to be. Mm-hmm. Andrew, ben- Andrew Benatendi had given us glimpses of, glimpses of hope for so long that, I don't know, I, I thought if I was to look at this line and you'd say it's a Red Sox outfield, I would have gone Benny's having a bounce back here. But um, I like where Verdugo's at. I think he's motivated kind of being the, the centerpiece of that trade. And he's somebody where I would definitely take him higher than his ADP was this year. And he's probably going to be ranked higher next year. Yeah, those are fair points. I think the interesting thing with Verdugo is if you look on his uh, baseball savant page, anything that has to do with hard hit rate or exit velocity, slugging, it's all down Mr. Freezeway. So, I mean, he doesn't hit the ball hard. He has six home runs, but he's in the bottom 20% in exit velocity, and he's in the bottom 27% in hard hit percentage. And, um, you know, he's about in the middle of the pack as far as barrel percentage. But I'm, I'm worried that – if you're expecting that he's going to hit 20 home runs, that that might not come in a full season. I think if that's like his ceiling, at least with how I'm looking at his metrics right now. Um, and if that's what you're, you're drafting him, you're hoping he's going to be a 2020 guy. I think that's like his ceiling, at least from this point. But I don't know if he gets there based on looks like how he's hitting right now. Um, yeah. And, go ahead. I, I don't think he's going to be a 20 home run guy. I mean, right now he's striking out less than 20% of the time. He plays in a, a park that's good for hitters for getting extra base hits. He's going to yep. get runs. He's going to get – I mean, he doesn't walk a lot. But he doesn't strike out a lot. He has a 376 on base percentage, but he's going to get a lot of plate appearances. He's going to get a lot of runs. It looks like he's uh, he's being a little bit more active on the base path. So, yeah, he's not going to be the next 2020 guy, but for a guy that was going in rounds 23, 24, 25 this year, I think he's really exceeded his value. 
Fair enough. Before we move to the next category, are there any hitters that we didn't get to in this category or someone you want to bring up um, before we get to some disappointments? Uh, I'll admit I was a little wrong on Kyle Tucker, just a little wrong, but I'm still not ready to admit that he's good. That It's like, okay, he doesn't suck. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kyle Tucker, my thing about fading him was never his potential. It was always fading Dusty Baker. And look what yeah. it took for him to get the playing time. Aledemus Diaz had to get hurt. Aledemus Diaz had to get hurt for for Kyle Tucker to get regular at-bats at the beginning of the season. This was already after you, uh, Jordan Alvarez got hurt, too, the first time. Or had yeah. COVID. Sorry. I mean, you, he got you hurt and had COVID. So it took all that for him to get playing time. But other than that, need I think like, I think You need, like, need sunglasses to look at his baseball savant page. It's all red. Um, yeah, I like I like Kyle Tucker. Like uh, for like on a just uh, looking at like a broad stroke, it I was looking at I was looking at him. And I I like his potential. I just wonder what what his draft price is going to be and if I'm going to be in on that because again, it all goes it's always about price. I I never mm-hmm. I never say someone's off my board or on my like or I have to. I, there's no must have. Like I don't have to have anybody, but I also won't ever kick anybody off my board because everybody has a price. Mm-hmm. But something tells me he's gonna, like this year. I was I was I have no I have zero shares of um of Luis Robert because I just wasn't paying the premium. Like yeah. that's, a, that's not just to give you an idea of how I draft, but not to say I wouldn't draft him. I just wanted that. I never got, I never got my side top 100 ever. And I refused to, like, I didn't think it was worth the top 100 pick. Now the stolen bases might say otherwise, but he's so talk about streaky. That's a guy that I think Kyle, Kyle Tucker is definitely going to jump up draft boards, especially because he's got that, that speed component to his game. He has five steals this year with long with eight home runs. Uh, people are going to look at that and say this is a guy who's going to get you more than just a few chip-in steals. He'll probably get 10 to 15 next year. That's going to push him up draft boards. Uh, I think he's definitely going to be a top 100 pick next year, even though you know, he's probably going to end up with about – I mean, right now he's just about a 306 OBP. Uh, but, you know, he's he, he hits the ball really hard, and he has speed. So – um, he's he 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 definitely is is a, is the type of guy who's going to get helium because of his his ability to contribute in speed as well as power. And before we move on, I want to just touch on the fact that Willie Calhoun I think is going to be a great late round guy lot next year. I think he's still afraid of the whole ball hitting him in the face thing. Ever since he got hit in the face, he hasn't really um, he hasn't really been the same. You see the ground ball rate go up, and he's he's, pull, he's pulling the ball less than twenty percent. Uh, than last year his pull rate's down that much so you're looking at a guy that's probably afraid to like really get like really go after the ball and his plate discipline actually improved in the process so and we know he's a great hitter so i think he's gonna be one of those guys that post post type sleeper at this point like but he should be like he should be next year's like ian hap type i think like where you can get him late and he can have that good year that we expected him to have this year so I'm, I'm looking forward to Willie Calhoun, but Alex Verdugo concerns me so i wanted the poo poo on that before we moved over yes disagree um, there i love it <laughs> It, it, your name's Eric. I have to disagree. Um, <laughs> it's just the only thing is I'm not okay. The hit the hit tool's real. We know he can hit. The concerning part is last year you saw the the launching at 8.8 degrees, which was the best it's been in his career. With it came his best expected batting average and other and whatnot. But then you know the year before was at 250. Right now his XBA is 259, which again shows he's due for a lot of regression if the season were to continue. The strikeouts you mentioned were great, 19.6 percent, but not for him. For him, that's actually 3.3 percent higher than any other career mark since 2017. So that it shows you there's some there's some swing and miss being added to his game. He is barreling the ball more, so the quality of contact is helping make up for it. But then you're mentioning like the K's are up, the whiff rate is up. That's where the strikeouts are coming from. So his swing and miss is up. 
and he's um as long and the ground balls are, have spiked really high. And although he has improved his sprint speed slightly, so the steals will be there. I, I can't buy into the power. This is almost like Eric Hosmer. Get some lift into that swing, I can buy the power. But mm-hmm. until until he gets some lift in that swing, and if he keeps drilling ground balls, he's gonna be ne- the next Ben Attendee where he's gonna come up short in that draft price. That's where I, that's why I'm concerned. Like I, I I think Verdugo has this the hit tool that Ben Attendee does not. So if he can just get a little more loft in that swing, I think we can see a lot of good things. But until that, the ground ball rate, I just can't buy into somebody batting 300 with a ground ball rate. I think it's north of 50 percent right now. Like that, and his sprint, his sprint speed's above average. It's 69th percentile, but it's not elite enough to yeah. make do with that type of ground ball rate. Yeah, I mean, kind of like you said, everybody has their price of where you're going to get. I mean, I'll take the stats where he's giving me at, oh, as, sure. a, as a late-round pick and somebody that's going to get the opportunity, which I think is really important. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's going to get more plate appearances. So, yeah, the underlying metrics might not be as good. That's more of your guys' ballpark. But I'm saying he's going he's gonna to have those opportunities to hit. They're not going to mm-hmm. worry about benching him unless he's awful. Because that then they'd admit that they lost the trade. Oh, I'm not. I'm not questioning rest of season. I'm just questioning where is he going to go. It's almost again. It goes back to what's his price next year. Is he going to be inside the top eighty? Then I'm not going to pay that. If he's going to be, no, I that, but but you don't know. There's going to be so many people. I, I'm really intrigued because it, you think ADP was crazy this year, or ever before. Next year it's going to be you're going to have people with Jesse Winker like top like top eighty and guys that have him like t- around two hundred. It's going to yeah. be that different across the board on a lot of players. And Verdugo is going to be one of those guys where. I think I'm going to try to settle in the middle because I think he's not as bad as his underlying stats say he is. I think he's, and by the two things, overperforming. So I think there's a happy middle that he can, that he'll find. So I'm not, so I'm not, I'm not quitting him. I just, I'm afraid of where his draft price might be next year. But again, I'm trying to, trying to, I'm, I'm just, I'm just putting, I'm just a wet blanket, man. I'm just, just trying to dampen the mood. I mean, I'll take him as my outfielder three or four any day of the week. Oh yeah, if, that's just if we can get him there. I don't know where he's going to go. Oh, if, if, if somebody's going to take him as their outfielder too, then I'll go ahead. I ain't taking that high. Woo. <laughs> All right, it sounds like we're on the same page. Let's move to our next category here, and these were hitters that were somewhat wet blankets in 2020. Uh, they were great in 2019, and my question is, are they going to bounce back next year? So, a little cheesecake. I'll start with you for this category. Who's the first player you're looking at? The first player I'm looking at is Austin Meadows. And the one thing that I can really say uh, that has made a big difference for him is his launch angle has gone way up. Uh, He was at about 16 last year, which is almost ideal launch angle to about 24. Um, You know, one thing that's not talked about, I think, with all these guys who are really working to improve their launch angle is that, it, it is easy to overcorrect it. Um, and, and season to season, I think there could be some, some fluctuation in, in, in the ideal launch angle, if, especially if you're going for that sort of uppercut swing. And you look at Meadows, and it's really hurt him this year. Uh, I mean, his exit velo is good. His hard hit percentage is good. Uh, they're both in the top uh, quarter of the league. But, uh, oh, my God, his expected batting average is 189. And he's hitting 205, and you're like, well, you know, there's got to be some positive regression in that, right? Well, not if you go by his expected batting average. He's actually overperforming right now at 205. He's overperforming at a, a 291 OBP. He's overperforming at a 371 slugging right now. So I think one of the things that I would look to see is 
and I'm not sure if this sort of information is out for spring training is in spring training is his launch angle back down a little bit back down to that 15, 16 range, which is almost the perfect home run launch angle. Uh, 24 is weird. It's too high. I mean, it, I, I remember there was a Joey Gallo pop-up last year that was like 114 miles per hour off the bat, but it barely made it out of the infield. It was just straight up, you know, they're like, well, that's that his hard hit percentage is good on that. His exit velo is great on that. And it's a pop fly in the infield where the only thing that was going to save him is if it got super windy out there. Um, so I think what you, you, what I'm hoping for out of Meadows, I mean, he was a guy who had a ton of helium this year, drafted in the top 30, 40 guys um, because of his ability to provide speed and power with batting average. Um, and and where, how far does he fall? Is he still going to have some shine from, from 2019? Mm-hmm. Hard to tell. For me, I'm going to be fading him a little bit. Uh, see, seeing where he settles in in the draft, um, I, I really don't have a prediction on where he's going to end up because, like, you could literally just throw this out and say, "I'm not. I'm going to disregard this because we have a whole season of really good production from him." But I'm saying right now that unless that launch angle improves, we're going to be seeing more and more really low batting averages again out of uh, out of Austin Meadows. Yeah, those are good points. The one thing I saw that jumped out at me is his is um strikeout percentage is or whiff percentage is up eleven percent from last year. It's thirty three percent. That that's that is like ungodly bad. Thirty three percent whiff rate and uh, like you said, the launch angle. I, I he was one player I was happy to not draft this year. I was for his price. I was not touching him, and I'm really glad I did not lay my hands on him. Uh, so, the fact that he plays for the Rays. Keep my hands clean. Keep my hands clean. Docky, who are you looking at? So I'm going to quit Glaber Torres, and he's somebody that I really wanted this year that I'm actually glad I didn't get. So I think in fantasy, the Yankees' name is going to inflate your value. But you look at that, and they're actually a pretty injury-prone team, specifically John Carlos, Stanton, and Aaron Judge. So his past two years, he had 24 homers and 77 RBIs. And then last year, he had 38 homers and 90 RBIs. That's great, but he's not replicating that this year. And last year, 13 of those home runs were against the O's. And from us that have been to Camden Yards and seen it, it's a very homer-happy stadium. That's actually the most that anybody has had against the team in a certain season. So you look at that, he he strikes out 120 times in each of the full seasons he's been up there. So in a points league, he's really going to ding you there. He's a career 270 hitter, doesn't do much for steals. So you're really banking on that home run production for second base. And he's 6'1", 205. So it's not like he's the Aaron Judge where it's, oh, he's a mammoth of a human being. And, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a big guy by normal standards, but he's not somebody where it's like, oh, Prince Fielder, if he connects with the bat, he's really going to have to hit the ball hard. And I think his ADP is baked into the projection that the Yankees are going to be healthy. And like previously said, they always get hurt each year, which means he's not going to have the quality of hitters behind him to drive him in. All right, good points with that. Quitting Glaber. Mike, who's one guy that sticks out to you? Are you uh, going to quit them, or are you still hitting with them for next year? 
a guy that I'm still in on and I'm going to love the price dip is Ketel Marte. He was a guy I was buying into and not because I thought he was going to hit 30 home runs again. I actually did not suspect him to be a 30 home run guy, but everything else suggested it was legit. And I think, I mean, he still hit over 300 or sorry, it was 290. He struggled towards the end of that. I think he was fighting an injury for part of the year. They, they even said that that's why he's out with the wrist, but he's a guy that there's a little bit of power, some speed, that there's a high floor. He is like Jose Altuve without the stolen bases, essentially. This is how I'm looking at him, like a 2010 type of guy, instead of like, you know, Altuve being like, what, like a 2030 guy once upon a time. So yeah. he's like a poor man's Altuve. And I think, Mart- I think Marte, the, the swing change, really, he was one of those uh, launch angle guys last year. And with that hit tool and everything else, I'm really buying into him again next year. I bought him into him this year. And I was never really mad at the power production dipping because power is such an easy commodity to come by. Batting average is not. Speed is not. And although the speed is plus, he's just not a big base stealer. He just never has shown that skill for, for whatever reason. He's never really been a guy that's gone after the bases, at least at the major league level. But still a guy that I think that if he falls to like the fifth round, I'll have him on every team. He'll, he'll have, uh, I think he'll have multi-positional eligibility as well. So he's a guy that I'm still in on. But going just to touch on both those, the Torres and the Meadows, Meadows, you hit the nail on the head, man. And one thing that I was surprised to see was his sprint speed's actually down. We're talking like way right. down. Like, well, I already switched off the page. Like, it was at 28, uh, 28 feet per second, wherever it was. The last two years, and this year it was like 26.7 feet per second. So, the sprint, speeds, the sprint speed took a big hit. And then you mentioned that increase in launch angle. Maybe he's pressing. Maybe he's trying to make it for lost time. You have to remember, he did have COVID. Are there lingering effects we don't know about? Mancada's mm-hmm. mentioned he hasn't felt the same since he's gotten back. Is Meadows the same? Is Meadows mm-hmm. struggling to kind of regain his form? I'm willing to give him a mulligan on the season. And if he's another guy who falls that fifth round, sixth round, I'm willing to give him a shot again. So about with him, it's price. And I'm willing to give him a chance to kind of turn around because not only is his, is this a short sample, but his is even shorter having that he missed part of the season to COVID. And Glaber, I was never in on. I couldn't buy into the fact that he wasn't a 30. Like his metrics never suggested that he was a 30 home run guy, let alone 38 or whatever he put up. He's another guy that depends on pulling the ball, Yankee Stadium, and a juice ball. All of three seem to be gone. Or the juice ball might still be there. I don't know. He's, there's a lot of happy. There's a lot of home runs that are happening. It's weird. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the juice ball still there. But he's pulling the ball less. He's hitting more ground balls. He, the quality of contact has gone down. He's a guy that depends on quality. If he's not going to put up the, the hard hit numbers that we need out of a pitcher or out of a hitter, so he's a guy that I'm kind of still quitting. But it depends if his price falls enough. I might actually turn, reverse course and buy in. Because it's all because if all these guys might be in that fifth round range, I'm gonna want to like trade down to that fifth round range just to get all these guys because I'm cool with any of these guys at the right price. But Ketel Marte is I'm, I'm most excited about. You can keep Eduardo, Eduardo Escobar. I didn't even look him up. I was out on him in the preseason and I refused to even look him up. I, I don't want nothing to do with him on any of my teams. He was outside. Like, people give me a hard time with how I ranked him. I'm guessing he's doing horribly because he was listed in the notes. Yeah, he's really bad this year. I haven't looked. I couldn't buy into him last year. I was out on him this year. I'm out on him next year. I quit him. Quit him. Quit him yesterday. Quit him today. Quit, quit him tomorrow. So, so here's my thing. I actually like Eduardo Escobar. I, I have a Kyle, a Kyle Seeger bounce back next year. I don't think he's ever going to have that 35 118 that he did before. But the previous four seasons before, he's had 20 homers, 70 RBIs. I think he's going to be ranked really low. It's not, he's not a sexy name. Same with Kyle Seeger, but. He was someone you got at twenty. You call him sexy? You calling him sexy? You know, maybe. I'm not going to give away all my secrets, but I think he's someone that already didn't have a big name before him. That's been a proven hitter. It also depends on what the Diamondbacks are doing. We don't know if they're buying or selling. They're kind of in that in between stage where they traded for Starling Marte, then traded away for him, but signed 
Madison Bumgarner to a big contract. So cool. I'll be. I'll, <laughs> Sorry, I'll, that was I'll, such a bad signing. Yeah, <laughs> everybody knew in the offseason how bad that signing was going to be. Like you literally looked at his numbers, and he was lucky to have what he had. Like it was gives me the chills. Um, the one thing I will say about Eduardo Escobar, he's hitting 199 this year uh, with four home runs and 190 plate appearances, but his expected batting average is 263. So maybe you could get somewhat of a bounce back. He was second in the national or second in, I think all baseball and RBIs last year. It was either second in, in baseball or second in the national league, but um, I, I, I get think, like, oh, sorry. I, was, no, go ahead, go ahead. I apologize. I was just thinking I, I can agree with the whole 260, 270, 23, 25 home runs. Cause that's kind of where he was at yeah. in 17 and 18. So I'm not saying that that's not possible, but Again, again, where is he going to be drafted? If he's like that fringe top 200 pick, like Brian Anderson, you could get that. I feel like you can get that similar production out of a Brian Anderson who was a fringe top 200 pick. So if he, if, mm-hmm. if Eduardo Escobar actually falls to that 200 range where Brian Anderson's and Adam Eaton's and all those guys were this year, I, I think he belongs there is my point. So if he's there, I'm with you. I'm, I'm good with that price because his skill set isn't something that's sought after, but he's what I would call a roster stabilizer at that price yeah. because he's a guy you can plug in. You should get the mediocre to solid stats with a little bit of upside, but I wouldn't bank on the upside type of thing. So I'm not completely – I lied. I am quitting him. I'm just trying to be nice. I can't. <laughs> that's fine. I'll, I'll, I think Kyle Seager was ranked like around like 200, 220 this year. I mean, yeah, if Eduardo has a watch in that range, I'll take him. Oh, yeah, Seager. I, I, I'm buying him. Oh. I love Seager. Um, let's, I know, Mike, you wanted to touch on good old Rafi here. So let's touch on him, and then we'll move to our last category. Just uh, real quick about uh, Devers. I was wrong. I was straight wrong about him. I didn't think he was going to bounce back at all this year, and he's completely turned the season over. Like, he's back to doing what he's, what he's doing. I still don't buy into the 290 batting average, though. And the expected batting average is in the 270s, which is what I was saying is pretty much what I thought he'd be. Uh, last year, I knew the running was a fluke. He kind of he just stopped running in the second half. I think he had one attempt or one stolen base in the second half, I believe it was. And so the right there, that was already one category that even though the, the, the bottom line showed it, I knew I wasn't counting on at the back end of the second half, second round, early third round, depending on where you drafted. But then the batting average, he was one of those guys, again, chase rate. And when I see chase rate, even though I see the uh, the the con the O contact grow with it, I'm always skeptical of the O contact sticking from season to season because he did it once. Maybe pitchers attack him differently. Maybe they don't. Maybe he doesn't do it again. Well, he seems to be kind of back on that back on course. I looked over the last thirty days. The K rates dropped to like twenty two percent over the last thirty days. So you know he's again he's kind of coming into form. He's a slow starter. I think he is a solid third round pick though. I think he's almost like a 270, 30 home run guy, which is fantastic. But yeah. I'll, I, I, that's like I guess that's kind of I don't know if that's second roundish. Like I'm trying to think who. I don't know if that's second round. It depends on 15 teamer, maybe still. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think he's solid, but I was really wrong. I didn't think he was going to bounce back at all. So I'm just going to take my L there. That's the only thing I wanted to touch on. Like, that's a straight L for me. I was wrong on endeavors. He's that girl at the bar that you're looking for someone hotter, but you're like, you know what? It's a girl. I'll just settle. Take it from. <laughs> <laughs> he's the one we're going to settle for. So we you won't, you won't add him and say that. You won't <laughs> add him and say that. Listen, man, I got beer goggles. You're you're like a you're like a six in the you're like six in the light, but like a ten. That's how it is. Like you're like a seven <laughs> yes. or eight. In the, you're like an eight in the dark or eight after a few beers, but you're really like a six or seven. Yeah, we've all been there. Happy <laughs> Devers is that girl. It's um, all right, man. I'm this, not here to this judge. Show's, this show's taking an interesting turn, so. <laughs> and I'm here for it. <laughs> so the last category we're jumping into. 
these players are starting to uh, make their way up, creeping up that ADP for next year, way higher than they were this year. And I put five names on this list that stuck out to me of guys that kind of are, are making big names for themselves this year. So, Doc, who on this list do you think you're going to try to jump the most for for their ADP? Oh, you want me to say the person I'm going to jump the most for? Or just someone, okay, someone you uh, that you would put on a cheerleading outfit for. Okay, I, you know, I I really like Jake Cronenworth, and I know Casey oh, Bubba. I know he I know he's big on him as well. First of all, mm-hmm. I love his position, multi position eligibility, shortstop, first base, second base. I mean, he's going to cover that. He's going to cover corner infield, middle infield utility. So I think that's going to have a lot of value if the pitcher comes back to hit next year in the NL. He's probably going to play more games because they can plug him in multiple positions. This year he has three – he's batting 310. He has 21 extra base hits and three steals, which, you know, a little bit of sneaky steal upside. And the Padres are going to have a really good offense. I mean, I think that this is a team that's on the rise. I mean, obviously Tatis Jr. is probably the favorite to win the MVP. Manny Machado, Hosmer looked really good before he got hurt. Will Myers, you know, I, I just – they're going to play in Colorado a decent amount where the, the out or the thin air is going to make the ball travel. I, I really like Joe, Jay Cronenworth next year. And he's someone that I might draft a little bit higher than where he's ranked. He's a top right. 100 pick next year. I don't care what anybody says. Easily. Yeah. With how he's played for sure. Uh, Mike, who's someone that you think you're going to really jump to go get out of this group? Oh, he took he took uh, Cronenworth. I know everybody wants me to talk about Kyle Lewis because I get it, like that's my guy. But Cronenworth, I just I'm bought in with you, man. That that it tools real. And if you go back to his college days, even yes, I because when I did my deep dive article on him, I actually googled his college days, and he had double digit steals even going back to then. So, on a team like the Padres, who even showed a willingness to run this year on a short season, I think there's ten to twelve stolen base upside there with Cronenworth. So. Add that to the hit tool. I just think there's a solid player. He might be what we want Alex Verdugo and, and Benatendi to be, to be honest. Wow. He might just be that, but without like the name recognition. Just just putting that out there. Maybe not the stolen base upside, but I, everything else kind of makes sense. Regardless, I think, okay. Uh, anyway. I think Benatendi's been brought up more this show than any other show, and I feel like that just we're now we're, we're dragging ourselves to Benatendi level. Just he's just wafting the air with just these bad. Juice. Well, so when you think about him, it's like that potential was there, but the skill set, and it's just so relatable. But he sucks. But I don't know. So I think <laughs> he's, a, he's a drug, and you need to quit him. That's what but, I'm telling David. But we all like the party hardy man. I mean, that's what it is, right? That's what the yeah. was positive about. I thought you guys get. That's what you sold me on. No, but anyway, um, <laughs> a guy. I'm. I don't know, man. Like I love these names. I think. Uh, I think Yastrzemski is actually pretty legit, man. We're talking two years now of doing this. It's mm-hmm. just, it's all there. I, I, I just, I'm surprised they didn't trade him because he's like 30 years old and he made, he was a perfect trade candidate. But he's a guy I really like here and I don't see why now after two years, his skill set is similar to some of these guys. Like I think Dominic Smith's going to fly up draft boards where I won't draft him. Candelario, Candelario is actually really solid. I think he's going to be a good value still. I think Candelario and Yastrzemski for, from a value aspect out of these names are really going to, um, are really going to be good values. And I think you'll be able to get them outside the top 100, maybe that like 120 to 140 range. And you'll be able to get them there and they will be solid values as a whole. Kyle Lewis. I love him. He's kind of declining right now, but I think, 
I, I, I don't know. I have a hard time not buying in because Carlos and Dom Smith, I, I'm just taking the whole list now, looking at them. Those two in particular had little, um, they had mechanical changes. And I've been, that's kind of like one of the little breakdowns I've been doing this year is just eyeing these mechanical changes, trying to find some type of tangible change to stick to the production. And both of these guys came in with like a swing change or a mechanical change in their swing. And with it came, like, I think Dominic Smith actually had like a little bit of an approach change as well, pulling the ball more, being a little more aggressive. So those two, I can, buy, I can just kind of buy into all these guys. I like, I like all these guys. <laughs> I like all these guys for the right for the right reason or the right area. It's just it's hard to explain. Sorry, I just took all the with Mike. If you're drafting with Mike next year. You know who he's looking at, so you can snipe yeah. him. Well, I, I, that's, that's that's one thing I'll tell you right now. I'm very I'm very honest. I put my analysis before my own personal gain. You will know who I'm truly bought into. But and mm-hmm. if you draft with me, you could take them because again, everybody has a price. And if you're willing to reach before I'm willing to reach, because ADP doesn't exist in my mind. If you're yeah. willing to take somebody above where I value them, have Adam. You've earned it. Other than like I took I've, t- I've taken Nelson Cruz in the fifth round coming into this year. That's where I was at. Like I was really like call. Like, that's why it's like ADP. That's a reach, but. I valued him there and he's paid off yeah. for the most part. It was like stuff like that, but I've also been wrong. I'm trying to think. I'm sure there's plenty of what I was wrong on. There's always a lot I'm wrong on, but I am right about some things. And <laughs> <laughs> that's why you have me on the show. Cause I'm right. I'm right. Sometimes <laughs> you're right. Uh, you were right to make the decision to come on the show. There we go. There uh, we go. Yes. Well, well, is that debatable actually? I don't know. Cause we actually, maybe we'll scare you away. You know, oh, right. Just is- right on Twitter. Be like, these guys are awful. Never again. Yeah, right. I, I actually really enjoyed this, but yeah, let's, we can keep moving. Sorry, who else wants to talk? I've been yeah. talking for like forty minutes out of the forty-nine we've been on. No, you're good. You're good, man. They're, they're coming to listen to you, not us. Um, no, man. You guys, you guys have a great show here. It's a lot of fun. You guys have that good vibe, and I appreciate it. Okay, thank you, man. Elsie, uh, you just want to put a bow on this, and just uh, anybody want to touch on them? We'll move to our question. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I really liked Dominic Smith. Obviously, uh, he's going to skyrocket up board. Dominic Smith is a guy who right now is expected batting average is 303 on fastballs, 344 on breaking pitches, and 276 on off-speed pitches. So it seems like he's pretty dialed in. And uh, uh, so the approach so, – so obviously this is a guy who had a big prospect pedigree and has just been hanging around for a while. So it's nice to see him – make an approach change and really start to uh, really start to find the results. I mean, <clears throat> he's hitting 330 right now and is expecting batting expected batting average is still 304, which I think is, you know, if if he's I mean, I don't think he's I don't think you could bank on 300. I think if they're going to be putting him around 280 next year is the projections, and I think that would be a great great sitting place to sit for him. Uh, obviously 330, you know, stinks that this is only a 60 game season because it looks like he could keep this going, uh, and end up with a really good season if it was over 162. Uh, I'm really high on him. Uh, Candelario is a guy who's been around for a long time already too. And it's like, he always has had stretches where he's been rosterable, but he's also been sort of like a hitting streamer mostly where you're like, well, he's hot. Did I did I miss his hot stretch when I just added him, or did I did I catch the tail end of that hot stretch? Because he's had over the last three or four seasons, he's had many stretches where he's been rosterable, and then I'll follow it up with stretches where he is god awful, and <laughs> um, and uh, so like this is this is another thing where it's like this guy, you know, a few years in the league. Uh, I think he's still he's only like twenty six or twenty seven. He's, 20, he's turning twenty seven in uh, November. Yeah, so he's not he's not old, even though he seems like he's been around forever. 
he still has plenty. You know, he's not. This is not like an age thirty breakout. He's he's hitting his prime right now. So uh, I like both of them. Dom Smith, I have a little bit higher just because I I feel like I have more of a track record of of heartbreak with Heimer Candelario than I do with Dominic Smith. But uh, I like what both of them are doing right now. The thing about Candelario that's interesting, so he's batting 333 this year, and he hit 330 in 27 games with Detroit in 2017 when he got traded for the Cub, from the Cubs. In 2017 with the Cubs, he hit 152. In 2018, he hit 224. And in 2019, he hit 203. So he's literally, like you said, hot and blazing, or he's ice cold. What is it, Mr. Freeze, David? Yes. I'd like to see something in the middle from him, but I, I think you're right. I've, I've found that he's rosterable a lot. I was really surprised to see these peaks and valleys that he has in his stats. I actually think I'm out on Kyle Lewis next year. I kept him saying that. Sorry, random, 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 random tangent. I was just looking at Kyle Lewis a little more. It's been a while because I just thought I knew everything I knew about him, but I don't. And I think he's just going to regress to being what he is. I don't think he's much more than that 260, 270 hitter. With 30 home run upside, but stolen bases are kind of, like he can steal bases, but ever since the injuries, he's kind of slowed down. I he's gonna be overpriced. I know he's gonna be overpriced. He's probably gonna win rookie of the year. Yeah. At this rate. And he's probably gonna be overpriced because of that. And that hurts me to say because I'm a big Kyle Lewis guy, but you gotta recognize that there's still some regression baked to be baked in here. And I, I don't know. I I don't know if I'm gonna be in on this price next year. I'm curious, but I'm curious. Is there anybody here that would actually take Dominic Smith over his teammate Pilonzo? Yeah, I'm next year. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a Pilonzo guy at all. Like for their ADP, for their ADP probably because Alonzo is yeah. probably still going to come in the top four rounds just because of his name and you know what he's done in the past. Well, over him though, would you if they were both on the board? Would you take Alonzo or Dom Smith, Eric? Um. I would take Alonzo. I feel like for Dominic Smith, it's kind of like the same thing each year. I feel like Alonzo is a fan favorite. He's going to be locked in at first base. And then outfield, he's then going to battle with Nimmo, Michael Conforto, J.D. Davis, Jeff McNeil if they have him out there. I just feel like the Mets have a spot saved for Alonzo. And if there's not a DH next year, I don't see him having that those everyday at-bats. Well, I mean, Smith, I wonder if he's going to maintain the infield-outfield eligibility next year. Is he playing mostly outfield this year, I think? Yeah. I think he's playing mostly outfield. But right now he's a first-based outfield, which is a really valuable multi-position eligibility, that infield-outfield. Is that Cody so, Bellinger-ish? Is that Cody Bellinger uh, multi-position eligibility. That that I One of the reasons I bump him up so high is because he has that right now, and I'm hoping he maintains that for next year. I haven't looked at his games uh, yet, and, and who knows how they're going to figure it on a 60-game season. Like – What's Yahoo have like five games or twenty you, games for an FBC? If you sniff, if you sniff the position, you uh, yeah. get it in Yahoo. I mean, yeah. it's it's low hanging. I got yelled at on. Somebody gave me a hard time on Twitter for taking advantage of the low hanging fruit thing because you know making fun of Yahoo is an easy thing, but it's <laughs> it, it's easy for a reason. It's legit. Like when you see Rizzo get second base eligibility because he shifted over to second base and changed gloves like six times <laughs> in this season. That's absurd. Like that joke will never leave, and I, to me, it'll always be funny because Yahoo is just a punching bag for that. And I'm trying to look right now. I think it looks like he started 19 games at outfield this year and 18 at first base, so he should okay. have yeah. dual, he should have dual eligibility next year. That's right. That is. 
that's a good way to wrap up this Dom Smith talk. Because let's go to our question of the week. And it's now sponsored by Manscaped. Eric, what should we know about Manscaped? Guys, we're at a time of year with the home stretch of baseball in September. That means it's time to throw on your team's colors and to clean up your bat and balls. Our friends at Manscaped are here to save your boys from a Ramon Laureano punch that would drop you to the ground. So you got to stay clean and take care of yourself where it matters most. I used to take pride in being the bachelor of triple play fantasy, but since David blew my cover like Mike Fires did with the Astros, yes, I'm in a relationship. We're in the honeymoon phase, so that means we're being intimate a lot. I can't have my baseball bat and cleanup equipment looking like a member of Chuck Nasty and the Ginger Mountain Boys. I got, I got to stay clean like I just signed a contract with the Yankees. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the tool for that. It's waterproof, has skin-safe ta- skin technology that will save you, just like Josh Hader does for the Brewers. I use it before the shower. That's me warming up in the bullpen, if you will. Out of the shower, when I'm getting ready to see my girl, I put on the ball deodorant, a.k.a. my Heath Bell jog out of the bullpen. <laughs> he even complimented me and said, wow, you don't smell down there, which in turn made me a happy man, like the Angels are with Dylan Bundy. So unless you're wearing tidy whities unless you're a tidy whities kind of guy, they have performance boxer briefs. I'm actually wearing this now. It's almost like compression shorts, but your junk can breathe and focus like it's in a 3-0 count in your Fernando Tatis Jr. Don't, don't forget their apparel. I wear my Manscaped shirt at the gym just so I can turn heads when people say, your balls will, when people will see, your balls will thank you in writing. I haven't been thrown out of the gym yet. Guys, get 20% off and free shipping with the code TRIPLEPLAY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping using the code TRIPLEPLAY. Fellas, cuffing season is around the corner. We all want special someone special in our lives. Don't watch the MLB postseason alone. If I can find and keep someone, you can too. That might have been the best one we've done so far. Yeah. Oh, you get a round of applause for that one. Yeah. Thank you. Dude. Dude, fan freaking tastic. Oh my god. I've honestly fast forwarded through so many ads on pods. This is the first one where not only did I listen to it, I looked forward to the next words out of your mouth. <laughs> so, dude, that was awesome. I'm legitimately interested. I might not go buy anything because I'm cheap, but in all seriousness, so that was awesome. And uh that was that was awesome, man. Honestly, I hope people if people are skipped it and are listening to me talk right now, go back, rewind it for the last thirty seconds, forty five seconds. I promise you, if you don't laugh out loud, you I, I don't know what to say because I'm really I'd be really surprised. That was awesome, and I'm taking a minute to just I want make people understand how great that was. That was probably one of the best reads I've ever heard. I appreciate it. Thank you. I, oh, yeah, I, I made sure to get any baseball reference and a jab in at David where I can. <laughs> well. Our question this week, what is the strangest batting order choice you've ever made or you've ever seen a manager make? And we're basing this off of your line of takeaways, Mike. So as since they're your takeaways, why don't you kick it off? Well, oh, I didn't see the I didn't see the word ever. Oh, <laughs> so, you, can do, you can do this season. I just did this um, season. Well, in general, this season, like I tried looking back, I tried going and all I could think about was the freaking Rockies doing the freaking things that they do, dude. That's all I can think about. Like I kept, I, I went, I went over my lineup takeaways a lot. I kept going back. I kept looking, and all I could go back to is the Rockies and 
Eric Aircross, you know, him and I have gone back and forth because he loves Hampson. Hampson will be on like a seven game heater and hit all these home runs, and then he'll sit for like four games. And stuff like that blows my mind. Josh Fuentes is getting playing time over Sam Hilliard, over over uh, Hampson, over insert good player here. They bring up all these players. They drop all these players. They sent Hilliard down today. This team, oh, not even just one lineup, this team, every lineup this year has pissed me off one way or another for the most part. <laughs> and the Rockies, just in general, Bud Black can just go some, needs to go somewhere. Like I can't do it. So he, in general, just makes the worst choices, period. I'm going to guess that there will never be a Rockies hat on that mantle. Never. No, not even – I won't even put a player up there because all they're going to do is not play. Like, why would I yeah. represent – like, outside the top four players, which – and even uh, – sorry, David Dahl hasn't even played in forever. I think he played one game. But let's see. Who who do they have at the top of the lineup? Story, Arenado, and Blackman. That's pretty much all you could bank on, I think. And Tapia, apparently. Which actually – Tapia has actually been good. Like, he's actually, like, not great, but, like, a batting average guy. Like, somebody you can just plug in, steal a few bases, and hit for good average, even though he's overperforming. But, Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Like, what the hell is going on with the Rockies? So I apologize. Like, I did not read the question right, but I did come with the Rockies rant because that's my yeah. favorite thing to do. I'm always here for Rockies rants because I think everybody shares that frustration with all these guys that you want to buy, these young guys that you want to, like, buy into, but they don't get the playing time. You should watch how you phrase young guys and buying into. It's just just word of advice. <laughs> Just saying, in today's day and age, you want to be yeah, careful people are, and mindful. Yeah, people are going to think I'm a pedophile. Oh, oh geez. Well, I mean, I didn't say that. That's your wording, not mine. No, <laughs> All right. LC, steer this ship in the other direction. Who are you? So uh, I, who's yours? I just want to say that uh, if you guys ever played whatifsports.com, you can create teams and you can use any player any season from any player in, in MLB history. I always do the Tony La Russa, uh, bat a batter at the ninth spot and bat, hit the pitcher eighth. Uh, I, I think as far as I, – I think mathematically there's not really a justification for doing something like that. To me, that always seemed like a really interesting and smart lineup choice thing to do to kind of get the top of the lineup jump started. But as far as the the answer to this question, something that I I, I I've been talking about for years. Um, when I was a kid, the Cubs batted Ryan Sandberg two and Mark Race three and Andre Dawson four, uh, and they had a roving band of terrible leadoff hitters in front of them. But generally, they batted Sandberg at sec- second because. Uh, he was a second baseman. They batted Grace third because he was a first baseman. Whereas, I mean, I think now probably the lineup uh, lineup uh, chatter would 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 say, "Oh, you put your best players at the top of the lineup." But back then, they were like, "You want your speedy guy first, you want your contact guy second, and you want your best overall hitter third. Um, and for years, they they batted Grace third behind Sandberg when Grace was the best contact guy and actually the best overall hitter on the team. And uh, Sandberg was, well, Sandberg was the more power bat and the guy who I feel like was a more appropriate third hitter at the, at the time. And so uh, for me, it's always, it does always end up coming back to the Cubs uh, and nostalgia for the, for the Ryan Sandberg and Andre Dawson days. But um, Sandberg hitting second and Grace hitting third simply because of their positions, which was which was the rumor 
that everyone in Chicago talked about at the time was that they were doing that because Sandberg was a second baseman. That's why he hit there and not for any sort of reflection on his hitting. That to me is one that, that I always thought was strange. And I always thought that, uh, that Sandberg and Grace should have swapped uh, spots in the batting order. Docky, who are you looking at? All right, honorable mention to when the O's had Chris Davis leading off when he was hitting 091 because they thought that that would change things. But mine actually relates to when Art mentioned the pitcher hitting eighth. So I looked back, and the Nationals did this May 16th, 2016, when Dusty Baker, out of all people, was the manager facing the Cubs with Joe Madden, the analytics guy. So the irony that Dusty Baker, the old-fashioned guy, is going to do that he had Tanner Roark hitting eighth, but another nugget that I found was interesting about this game, Bryce Harper went zero for zero with six walks and a run. Oh, that's kind that of was, wow. It was pretty crazy. So I was like, you know, I got to use this game. But, yeah, when, when pitcher's hitting eighth and it's not like a Micah Owings or a Madison Bumgarner, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, just a couple things I'll say just really quick. I saw Willie Calhoun batting third when he was hitting horrible in the middle of August. Shohei Otani was batting leadoff this year at some point. I saw that in your notes, Mike. Jacoby Jones consistently was batting ninth. It's like mm-hmm. consistently every game. I did not understand that because he was their best hitter early on in the season. And he was still being ninth. And then Avi Garcia leading off a few games also kind of was interesting to me as well. So those are a few that I, I looked through. I actually kind of Twitter stalked you and like went all the way down your line of those. I, <laughs> if, if you actually, was, hey, no, you are not helping yourself. I know. Yeah, the whole well, the good thing is I'm of age, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if you, that's why I created the hashtag, it was because of the, so people could actually try to follow along because the idea was it was helpful to me at first too. And honestly, since I stopped doing them, because to be honest, doing them daily was literally hours like between checking in, making sure that they were up, writing the notes, referencing previous days and trying to make sure my, my notes lined up and then who played different positions. It got to, but the problem is when I stopped doing that, I fell out of like sync of what's going on a little bit. It took, I didn't realize how much it helped me not only as an analyst, but as a, as a player, as a, someone setting my lineup, someone playing the waiver wire, like that information came became valuable especially when you start podcasting and talking about it especially when you're chasing at bats let's get to our last segment here the game of the week and are you are hosting this week so what are we playing well uh the game is 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 a play on that uh, fun game where i give you a hint and the hint combines two names where they they go together and the first name is going to be a major league ball player, and the second name is either going to be a name or a phrase that plays off that major league baseball player's name. So, for example, uh, uh, the first example is that I that I give you just so you know what I'm talking about is former Philadelphia stalwart third baseman is singing "Taking It to the Streets," and that's Scott Rowland Doobie Brothers. Oh, so I'm going to be so bad at this game. But no, that would, that's a former one. This is all modern uh, current players. All right. And I tried to try to make current references. So um, if I'm I'm uh, bad with music, (laughs) (laughs) but you know what your buddy, uh, Michael Simeon, when he came on a few weeks ago, we were doing a Jersey game and he said, I'm horrible at this. I'm going to lose. This is my worst thing. And he ended up winning. Don't take it away from me, David. Oh, that's right. You barely won at the end, but I, I just well, trashed. 
I I do uh, I work well with Simeone and uh, he's a terrible person. So <laughs> <laughs> he's a great dude. Anyway, yeah, so that's, that's uh, so basically, I'm gonna give the hint. And you guys just guess. I'm not going to get have an order of guesses. Whoever gets the guess right first gets the points. And if you guys don't know, we'll just pass and move on to the next. And whoever gets the most points, I have nine that I think are good and four that are okay. So I'm going to go with nine. <laughs> and if we're tied, I have four more to back it up. All right. So um, the first one is Tampa Bay outfielder meets the daughter of a television mafia don. In the I found it in the is it your full <laughs> name or just like their first name? No, it's going to be the full name of the Tampa Bay outfielder. Is this like current rosters now or is it like over the last couple of years? Current roster. Oh, how the heck? I should know the like, this is where a lot of takeaway should actually help me. But for some reason, <laughs> like, like over my head. Um, I'm trying to think of Austin Meadows. Okay. No, Yandy Diaz, but he plays the infield these days. Um, Kevin Brandon, Brandon Lau, Manuel Margot. So, <laughs> uh, Randy Arenzaria, Arenzaria. So, uh, every outfielder. If you guys, you guys, you guys feel like you're not going to get this one. I don't think so. Which is so. weird. Which is how 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 are we not going to get this? Because no, no, it, 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 it's it's Austin Meadows soprano, Austin Meadows soprano, Austin Meadows. A meadow soprano. Combine the two of them. Gotcha. Awesome I, gotta, I gotta have this game. I didn't see. I'm sorry. I didn't explain it well. Yeah, I when, uh, and I I didn't know Sopranos. Yeah, I was uh, okay. I, all right, no of it. Never. Okay, uh, for one for all of us. Okay. Well, maybe we'll get one person to get one right on my dumb <laughs> Perfect. game. Perfect. All right, let's do it. Okay. New York Yankee long relief pitcher is a good gardener. Chad uh, Green. Green. Chad Greenhouse? <laughs> Chad Green. Uh, I think we're going to take Chad Greenhouse because I had Chad Green thumb, but Greenhouse is a gardening thing. I think we're going to count that as Mike. Chad Greenhouse. I like that. All right. <laughs> Complete guess. Okay, That's Green fair. thumb. We knew, my, we knew my wife is, Chad my Green. Wife kills everything. Yeah. Well, I didn't until you said Chad Green. I was like, I stole your thunder, dude. Straight up stole oh, your thunder, Dave. Dang it. <laughs> okay. Right, half a point for that. You can have the assist. I don't care. I'm not greedy. No, I'm, 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 I'm doing the score, and that's a Mike Curlin point right there. All right. Oh, ouch! I thought we were friends. Okay. <laughs> I'm feeling the favoritism, and I'll and I accept it. All right. White Sox rookie phenom is a raging bull. Luis Robert, uh, the bull. Luis Robert, <laughs> bullish. It's a raging bull. It's a movie. Yeah, and I'm raging bull. Luis Robert Garcia. Luis Robert. Luis, Luis Robert. Toro. <laughs> I don't know. Luis Robert Toro. No. Uh, <laughs> Torno. Uh, <laughs> I'm full of dad jokes. I got three kids. It comes with the territory. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not even trying to guess this one because I'm like I'm thinking Nick Madrick Bull. Like it's just like that's where my head went. Complete like pun off the name, but obviously it's Luis Robert. Um, what's up, oh, Lopentera? Right? Wasn't that his nickname? Someone do that maybe somehow. Can we get a hint? Luis, Luis Robert De Niro. Oh, oh. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I forgot Ball. you could do the. I forgot you could do the actor's names. I didn't know the. Yeah, 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 yeah. So all right, so um, here's a good one. I think. <laughs> I think I, you know what? The four that he thinks are bad are actually the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> Name a movie I know. <laughs> I just I just want our fans to be shouting the answers right now. That's what I want. Um, Good. Failed Houston don't. pitching prospect becomes Houston Rocket NBA All Star. Uh, um, pitching prospect. Uh, Josh James Harden. That's right. Oh, that was good. There you go. Um, I was thinking Forrest Whitley for some reason because he can't get healthy. That's yeah. what I was thinking of, too. That's what I was but thinking. Josh, yeah, that was good, though. James Harden reference. Good. Um, Pirates first baseman is the prettiest girl at the dance. Now, this is a phrase for the second part. Josh Bellarino? <laughs> good. That's not what I was going for, but I like that. I like that. <laughs> Josh. Uh, Bell of the ball. That's right. Oh, that was good. Yeah, I couldn't think of a phrase, but that was good. Yeah, you totally guessed. I don't. I feel like you don't know that saying. Josh I mean, Bell it sounded right. I've heard. I've heard. I've definitely heard that saying before. That's why I was like, yeah. When he said it, it clicked. But I was like, I wouldn't have guessed it. It's one of those things where your like mind says it, you don't even think it, you just spew it out. <laughs> I get in trouble for that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get that. Um, Here's here's one. Uh, Cleveland closer uses a gel to practice good COVID prevent, pre- prevention techniques. Brad uh, hand combing. No, Brad hand sanitizer. That's right. Oh, oh man, you guys jump on that quicker than me. Yeah. All right, we're we're picking up steam here now. This is working. <laughs> yeah, it, it took about five samples, but we got this. <laughs> uh. Diamondbacks catcher wins the first season of American Idol. Um, <laughs> um, Stephen oh, Vogt. Carson Kelly Clarkson. That's right. Oh. <laughs> I was thinking Stephen Vogt because people vote for votes. Yeah. I know. I didn't know she won the first season of American Idol. This is I, new Kelly Clarkson. What? Yeah. she was. I, I know she is. I didn't know she won the first season. Yeah. she. I Do your know. homework, Eric. Her and Clay Aiken, right? That was like the oh, no yeah. Clay Aiken was no Clay Aiken was, was the with with the Justin uh, Justin Gorbini. Yeah, or, Clay Aiken was a finalist with um another guy. It doesn't matter. This isn't that type butter. of. <laughs> well, <laughs> Give me I American mean, Idol train questions. Yeah. Philadelphia rookie starting pitcher becomes the prestigious HBCU in Washington D.C. Spencer Howard University. That's right. Are we, so we all tied at two right now. No, that's oh, right. I do have two. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I thought. I thought. Wait. So how many right. more do we have left? Are is there like one or two more? I, I have. I have one more. Okay. Oh, perfect. Marbles, then. Let's do it. Actually. Okay. And then I have four bad ones. If we get, if we get one, whoever gets this one, if we get it, wins. And if we have to go to the next one because no one gets it, then we'll use those as emergency. Okay. Talented Royals third baseman catches the immaculate reception. Oh, uh, Michael Franco something last name. Michael Franco Walker. No, no. Michael Franco. Franco Harris. <laughs> That's a second guess. That's right. Multiple guesses. I, I can't guess, think I of guess the last true. name. We've been, 
Yeah, you, you got it. Michael Franco uh, Harris is right. Yeah, you can have it because I couldn't think of the last name, but I was like, Franco something. Oh my God, I knew this. This is such, that's how I'm a bad, you know what? It's base, if it was baseball, but it got it, right? Yeah, that's how I, yeah. that's, that's my excuse. You can take your dirty win, Eric. Go ahead and take your 10 seconds of FaceTime. Do you guys want to hear the bad ones? I am curious now. Go ahead. <laughs> Oakland catcher believes anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Sean Murphy Law. Sean Murphy's Law, yeah. So I get that one. I get that one. San Diego comeback starting pitcher becomes former Seattle cornerback. The Nelson uh, Lamed. No, no, Richard Sherman. Richard, uh, whatever, Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman. Thank Richard you. Sherman, yeah. yeah. So these are the good ones. We know these. <laughs> you called it. Uh, okay. All right. All right. I'm done. No, no, no. No, we can't stop. We have two more. Okay. The last uh, two. Marlins first baseman becomes Rams wide receiver. Third round pick in 2017. Zeus. Um, oh, Derek Cooper Cup. Oh, Coop, Derek Cooper that's Cup. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Oh, the way Aguilar Cooper. I go down a lot. I, I was thinking there. Robert Woods for a second. Let's see. Okay. They got him from Buffalo or whatever, I think. Yeah, they did. This is the worst one. Okay. <laughs> Nationals' highly touted rookie becomes a very good or very bad outcome. Carter Keyboom goes to Dynamite. Carter Key Boomer Bust was my. Uh, that was actually see those four, those four were actually good, like easier than the rest. <laughs> I, I thought the first one after the first one, I was like, we're gonna be here a while. But uh, I'd like to take my ten seconds of FaceTime. Uh, you know, we have a lot of fun on this pod. I like taking uh, jabs at David. The fantasy baseball season is winding down. I hope everyone's had a good one. And uh, we're going to have quite the September and October for playoffs. So uh, everybody strap in, and uh, it's going to be a good ride. All right. Well said. On that note, Mike, we've kept you here way longer, I know, than uh, you were expecting. So I I want to thank you. (laughs) No, no, you're good. I I didn't want to keep you here in case it was too long. But it was a a blast having you, man. We really appreciate you coming on. It was truly awesome talking with you. Uh, man, honestly, it was a great time. I just appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, yeah, that's all I got to say. Appreciate it. I really do, man. Stuff like this, it means a lot to even be asked to come on these podcasts. Um, I, it always blows my mind when people actually want me on. I'm like, why? But okay. And I jump on and have a good It's always a good time. You guys are great. I really like what you guys have going on here. I, you guys do really do a bright future. Keep up the good work. And um, again, if you guys ever want me on again, if you, you know what, we'll set, maybe we'll set up. I'll host the three of you somehow. We'll, we'll make that work. Oh, that's on. great. I would love that. We'll make so it we're, work. We're definitely going to have you back here as long as we don't scare you away. Um, <laughs> you're the one, I mean, you're the one that's scary with the little boy talk. But anyway, <laughs> on that note, on that note. <laughs> make sure you go, you go follow him. Listen to his Bases Loaded podcast. It's a great show. Check him out. Check out his writing on Rotoballer. Truly one of the nicest guys in the fantasy baseball industry. Thanks again, my man. Always a pleasure, my man. I stole your thing, my man. <laughs> <laughs>